KRCL, 90.9 FM, HD1 in Salt Lake City, Ogden, and Provo. 96.7 FM in Park City, on the web at krcl.org. Listener supported, community radio. Homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. Aldine here, KRCL's punk rock farmer. This is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives in the studio here tonight with Laura Jones, as always. Ah, So glad you're back. We're going to talk a lot about what happened down in Cedar City last week. A lot happened down there, so yeah, we have have a lot to talk about. (laughs) Utah Farm and Food Conference, but you know what? The show must go on. There's so much happening, and so we're going to catch up with Simbria in your Urban Farm Report. But then you also took uh, your microphone down there. Who else are we going to hear from? We have a couple clips. We have Dale Thurber, Delectation of Tomatoes. He has over 3,000 varieties of tomato seed in his bank right (laughs) now. And And the Russian ones are popular. The Russian ones are trading with the Russians. He's been doing that for Uh, a long time. They love tomatoes. He's on a list. And uh, John Webster, also a biochar guy, he's here and he's got some exciting news too. He does. So stick around for the Urban Farm Report. We also have the Green Urban Lunchbox coming on because it's time to think about pruning your trees shortly. And they've got these great programs that can help you get your hands in the dirt if you're ready to take it on in a serious way. Also, Skywatcher Leo T with a classic clip. And on the back of that, Betamaya Foot is in the studio from uh, Red Butte Gardens Dark Sky Workshop tomorrow. We'll talk with her and also uh, the Dinosaur Doc, Randall Ermis from the Natural History Museum of Utah, Dino Fest, coming up next weekend. But first, though, it is fresh and homegrown music, Aldine. Yes, um, Gontics. The, the Gontics are the in Gontics. the studio with us. How are you doing over there, you guys? We're doing fantastic. Why don't you do a quick introduction of everybody in the band? We've in got Emmett Crowfoot on bass. We've got Kane Winter on drums. And I'm Gibson Bracken. Very cool. A three-piece power trio. Is that what we're calling it? Some some would say that. <laughs> sure. I heard the drums hitting, and it sounded pretty powerful. He broke his <laughs> stick yesterday, man. <laughs> what? Don't do he sticks. did break his stick yesterday. So the first <laughs> song is undone. Give me a little history of that one. Um, this one's kind of an oldie. It, it came out three years ago, four years ago, and it's been doing well online, and we thought we'd play it for you guys. It's um, It's piano-driven. It's kind of... A moody song, but we, we should have we told you it. we have a piano in here. <laughs> we, we, we tried to play the piano, yeah. but it, um, it just didn't work out. But that's okay. Next okay. time. Next right. time. Sounds good. For sure. So this one is undone with Gontix right here, fresh and homegrown at KRCL 90.9 FM.
Following is a classic Leo T from a year ago. It's many cultures, one sky. Skywatcher Leo T here. Look up, look around, get lost in space. And looking up in the east after dark, we can do that by looking up very high. Find bright Capella, the goat star here. To the right of it is a small narrow triangle of stars known as the Kids. They're not very bright, but it's worth finding. They form a magical pattern or asterism with Capella. And now that the waning moon doesn't rise until about 9 p.m., this is your chance in early evening to see the winter Milky Way. Well, if you can get up to the mountains of the desert anyway, well, look low in the southeast and see it winding from the brightest star. Sirius, follow the strand up between Orion and Gemini, through Auriga and the Jibble Jabble, through Perseus, overhead and down through Twinkly Cassiopeia, Cepheus, and Cygnus to the northwest horizon. What a nice voyage to take with your eyes and senses. Taking the little Skywatcher ship out again to Mars, where NASA's Curiosity rover has uncovered interesting organic compounds again. Some of the powdered rock samples that Curiosity has collected over the years contain organics rich in the type of carbon found here on Earth, like at Yellowstone. But many Martian processes remain mysterious, so it's too early to know what generated the intriguing chemicals. The search goes on. You can see some intriguing photos on the Skywatcher FB page taken in front of a rock outcrop named Mont Mercou. Curiosity landed inside the Mars 96-mile-wide Gale Crater in 2012. The rover team soon determined that Gale's floor was a potentially habitable environment billions of years ago, harboring a lake and stream system that likely persisted for millions of years. James Webb Space Telescope, which is still roaring into space, has now deployed its 18 mirrors. Webb still has one more key development milestone to complete a trajectory burn that will insert the observatory into orbit around a spot in space known as Earth-Sun Lagrange Point 2, nearly one million miles away from Earth. That is some space exploration there. It's many cultures, one sky. This from Anthony Aveni and his book Star Stories. Today we head up north to visit the Inuit who live in the polar regions of Canada, Alaska, Greenland, Russia, and Denmark. There, the sun is gone for two months, from November to late January. To balance this out, the sun shines all the time, from late May until late July. The Inuit sky is animated with tales of the hunt and the hazards of traveling over vast ice fields to secure the catch. There's a bear, a caribou, and a seal, foxes, wolves, and an oil lamp, a kayak stand, and most important of all, a late winter bringer of light, Agjok, or the stars seen at dawn. This also signifies the biggest celebration of the year. During the extended twilight, people eat and drink to excess. They masquerade and change partners and change who they are for a while. And when they've eaten so much they're ready to burst, they rise up to play and dance and express their joy at the return of the sun to their hemisphere. Ana Aja Ahu, the welcome sun returns again. So keep celebrating life, look up, look around, and get a little bit lost in space and on Earth. Skywatcher Leo T. Oh, thank you, Leo. And of course, check tonight's show notes, and I've got a link to his Facebook page. You can uh, follow him and also shout out. Tell him what you would like to know more about the night sky. And in that vein, Aldine, yes. I'm about to geek out. So uh, tomorrow at Red Butte Garden in the evening, there is a dark skies lecture. And joining us now is Betamaya Foote, who is going to give that lecture. She's part of the International Dark Sky Association. Thanks for coming down. I didn't realize. You didn't live here. Yeah. We're just lucky that you are here visiting from Durango, and it worked out to have you come in. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. So the Dark Sky Association, how big is it now? How robust? So we have a nine staff members, so we are a small staff, but we have 1,500 advocates across 58 countries and about 25,000 members across 61 countries all over the world. So it's truly a global organization united in our fight to protect the night. The night sky. Very cool. Are we, where are we in the, in the scheme of the darkest skies? 
Oh, I mean, Utah actually has the most international dark sky places on any state level around the entire world. So That's Utah what I wanted to hear. <laughs> number one. Um, and I'm Utah born and raised, so I'm definitely uh, partial to the Utah night skies. In fact, shout out to KZMU where you used to have a show. I did. What KZMU, was it, it was, I was Shine Time, Tween Time, and Main Street Cruise for <laughs> <All right. laughs> until I moved Community away. Radio. Lots of yes, dark sky down there. Definitely. Moab has uh, Canyonlands, Arches, all of the dark sky parks. It's a great place to look at the night sky. But there's a new studi- a new study out that our one of our guests coming up after you, yeah, the Dino Randy. Doc, Randy Irmis, <laughs> who's here. Randy, got your mic on. Um, you mentioned that today people are seeing less stars than ever, right? There's a study you saw? That's right. And what I thought was so cool is it was a citizen science study, so all these people from around the world contributed. Exactly. And you, too, can contribute right now are the dates that we can all look up and contribute to Globe at Night data. It's a community science program where you just go to globeatnight.org. And there's a web app. It's kind of confusing. It's not like a real app. You just go to globeatnight.org and it's a web app. It's a web page, but it works like an app. And you go outside during 10 days around the new moon each month and compare pictures of a constellation to what you see in the night sky and choose what matches the best. This data is kind of scary though, isn't it? The latest report? It is. So light pollution has been growing, according to this data, at 9.6% per year, which means that if a kid today uh, was born in an area where you could see 250 stars, by the time they were 18, you'd only be able to see 100 stars. And Mm. that's an incredible change in just not even one generation, right? Like part of a generation. So it's really a call to action that we all need to be doing our lighting better and really understand the power of light. I think it's something that we think is, you know, we can't touch it, it's intangible, so we don't really realize how powerful light is, but it's it's truly powerful and it impacts all of the ecology, safety, health, cultural continuity, so many things like you really can't choose one thing in the world that light pollution doesn't impact are there some basic things folks can do like instead of having a light that just shines everywhere on your front porch put a shade over it or something like that exactly so um, IDA and the International Illumination Engineering (laughs) Society IES have come up with five principles for responsible outdoor lighting and those are, are really simple ways that you can just evaluate your own lighting at home So the first principle is, do you need the light at all, right? A lot of lights are just there kind of to decorate or to be the jewelry of the home. So Mm -hmm. think about the birds in your tree before you shine a light in your tree. Um, Second, if you do need a light, shield it, point it down at the ground and not out into your neighbor's window or up into the night sky. Uh, And then use timers and motion sensors and dimmers to control the light. And of course, color temperature is incredibly important as well. So blue light scatters really far throughout our atmosphere and that's why our sky is blue Mm. because that wavelength of light scatters the farthest throughout the atmosphere. So we wanna use warmer amber colored lighting uh, to ensure that we are being the least impactful on the natural nocturnal environment. Well, Betamaya is going to be speaking about all of this tomorrow at Red Butte Garden, 5 to 7 p.m. And there's also a star party after with the University of Utah's Department of mm-hmm. Physics and Astronomy, the Utah Women's Astronomy Society, and Clark Planetarium. You'll get to view the night sky through telescopes with local experts, layer up, dress warm. You'll be held outside. And, of course, that's that's weather dependent. <laughs> so, exactly. But uh, where can folks catch up with you and the IDA, the International Dark Sky Association? Yeah, so our website is darksky.org, and I run our Grassroots Advocates Program. That's my position with IDA. And so if you're interested in kind of being involved and learning more about the night sky and being involved locally, we have a group of people all around the world that we connect to one another and kind of leverage the hive mind of dark sky advocates around the world. Uh, So you can also join the advocate network. And we do have a Utah chapter of the International Dark Sky Association as well. Their website is utah.darksky.ngo, and they're doing incredible work throughout the state of Utah as well. So please get involved. Keep Utah the darkest state with the most dark sky parks. And we do have a dark sky resolution here in Utah. Um, Senator Evan Vickers in 2018 passed a resolution 
promoting the use of shielded lighting and dark sky friendly lighting and I went to the hearing actually and and all of the kind of rural senators were arguing over whose skies were the darkest (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) it's something that we can all take pride in here and and really celebrate as an incredible resource that we have here well anytime you're in Utah please stop by and say hello. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Better my foot. Check tonight's show notes for a link to her lecture tomorrow at Red Butte, 5 to 7 p.m. Clear the skies, save the stars, how light pollution impacts us all. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And now Dino Doc Randy Ermis is here with us. How you doing, Doc? I'm doing great. It's so great to be back in the studio with both of you. Oh, and so good to see you. And I want to know the cool stuff at Dino Fest that's coming up next weekend, the 28th and 29th, at the Natural History Museum of Utah. That's right. We are super excited to be back fully live for our annual Dino Fest, and uh, this year's theme is From Bones to Beasts. Ooh, Bones to Beasts. So what kind of beasts do you have in the collection? We have all different types of dinosaurs and other uh, extinct animals. Um, In the fossil preparation lab, which you can go check out, we'll have a new tyrannosaur skeleton that we just excavated from Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument. That's so cool. Yeah, and there's, um, there's a new horned dinosaur we're working on there. We've got a giant uh, alligator relative called Dinosuchus that ate dinosaurs. Okay, that also, one terrifies yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to go swimming in those Cretaceous r- rivers, let me tell you that. So, uh, What are you excited for at this year's fest? Well, I'm just excited to be fully back in person, and we've got an amazing slate of 10 different dinosaur experts that we are bringing in to give talks both days and then we've got the collections open so people can see all the fossils that aren't normally on display and the fossil preparation lab and then all these cool events and community partners the the lab is so fun to watch because the way the museum i don't know if you've been up there in a while al but uh the, there's windows onto the lab so you can always see them working but now you're going to get a peek at all the stuff that's locked away in the vault so to speak how much of your collection is actually in those vaults versus able to be displayed i would say over 99 percent is in these back of house rooms and that's just because there's not enough room yeah you couldn't build a museum big enough to display all of it one of the things i also want to remember is that these bones are animals that are extinct long ago but what does it speak to about our preservation today anything you want to connect the dots to there definitely i mean i think one of the one of the really cool things about fossils and paleontology is that these are really extinct you know animals living in these lost worlds but they're living at times when climate change is happening and so you know when things are getting warmer and colder and we can actually look at how these ecosystems and these environments change through time to understand where we might be going in the future so lots of guest speakers each day. That's Saturday the 28th and Sunday the 29th. People need to get their tickets. And you'll be on hand, too, giving some tours? I'll, I'll be there. I'll be uh, introducing some of the speakers and hanging out all around the museum. Uh, we've got a key, one-hour keynote starting things off both days and then a bunch of Dino Bite speakers right after that. Excellent. And then, of course, the museum's year-round. Oh, yeah, you can come and visit us seven days a week. But uh, Dino Fest is one of the best weekends to visit us because of all the cool stuff going on. January 28th and 29th. And it does give you perspective on where you fall in the history of the world when you go to something like that, for sure. And we hope you're just there because you love dinosaurs and other cool extinct animals. Thanks for coming down. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Great and to see you. Now we have Hannah joining us from the Green Urban Lunchbox. Hannah Goggin, thanks for coming down. I appreciate your time. Oh, I, I apologize. I turned your mic down. Oh, no worries. We're changing seats here. It's getting <laughs> crazy. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. We tried to get Hannah on last week. She's like, I'm at the Utah Farm and Food Conference. Yes, we were. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that time of year where everyone thinks everything's sleeping. But exactly. really, the trees are getting ready to do something. we got to look at pruning our fruit trees come in the next four to six weeks yeah right now while the trees are dormant a lot of people are familiar with gulps fruit share through our harvesting service which takes place in the summer where we um, partner with fruit tree homeowners here in salt lake county and lead small groups of volunteers to harvest these trees but a lot of people don't know that a lot of fruit shares work begins right now in the winter starting with pruning so this is a service that we offer in the hopes that when it does come time to harvest, the fruit that is on these trees is big, beautiful, healthy, ready for us to harvest and donate towards hunger relief. 
Good stuff. You know, I was looking at, from the conference, the biodynamic uh, calendar, mm-hmm. and February 5th and 6th and 5th, after 5 o'clock, 6th and 7th, are really great days to prune. Yes, yeah. You want to do it when the fruit trees are dormant. There are some types of fruit trees that you do want to wait for a little warmer temperatures, like the peach trees that we love so dearly here. They're... Um, they need to be in a little bit warmer. So it needs to be spring when those mm-hmm. come. But a lot of other fruit trees will hit right now. Is now a good time to sign up to put my tree into your program? Now is a perfect time to sign up. I'm, I'm, I'm talking aside from pruning just so I don't have to do it. This is, a, <laughs> this is the next step where yeah. folks help you with the tree, help you harvest it, etc. Exactly, yeah. Now is a great time. We offer all of these services right up front. A great way to just kind of bundle all of these services we offer is actually buying a service package, which is something we are offering right now. So with a service package, you will get pruning, fertilizing, thinning, and a guaranteed harvest. So if you sign up right now, you can just kick back and relax and your tree will be taken care of through mm-hmm. now through when we harvest. And you also help seniors who need help managing it and maybe can't pay for that kind of service. Yeah, exactly. So it's offered on a sliding scale payment system for all of these things. Um, so you just need to reach out to us and we're in contact with a lot of seniors through our Back Farms program. So yeah, we are able to work with people to get these services to people, those who need. You're also opening up the 2023 CSA shares and you're asking for folks who want hands-on instruction on learning how to farm. Yeah, so our SFI, which is our small farm initiative, runs an urban farmer training program that will begin soon. And it's just, yeah, we offer um, not only hands-on learning, but also weekly classes. And we run our CSA through that program. So people are able to come on our community farm, get their hands dirty, learn what it is like to farm and also how to run a business, how to make money off of agriculture as well. Now, the CSA, Al, I was looking at their latest newsletter and folks check the show notes. You can sign up for the newsletter. It doesn't cost you anything. But you can double up food bucks with the farm share. How does that work? Yeah, so our CSA partners with um, Double Up Food Bucks and Snap EBT. So um, you, if you use Snap EBT, you are eligible for to use those in our CSA. So you can pay with it for Snap, and then Double Up Food Bucks will match it. So one week you will pay with your snap ebt or horizon card and then next week it will be free through double up food bucks and it just alternates every week through the whole season and we have several payment plans for that as well so lots, lots of, of options to get fresh nutrient dense food grown locally such cool stuff you guys are really busy in the community it's yes. so cool mm-hmm. and a nonprofit. that's why the sliding scale and your ability to serve folks of different incomes in a way that works best for them is possible. Yeah, we want to be a community-run, community-based organization, so that's what we're trying to do. And what's the website where folks can check you out and learn more? Yeah, it is thegreenurbanlunchbox.com. Thank you so much for coming in, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. All right, let's go to back to our live studio. Sullivan Pechenpeng, our audio engineer tonight, always does a great job with our, our bands. And our band tonight, The Gontics. I gotta ask about the name, fellas. What's the Gontics? What does that mean? It, it's a it's a name I came up with a long time ago that means Goner and Sputnik. Oh, I like and, that. And uh, <laughs> between the two, you can make up what it means to you. But to me, it just means that we're people searching around the world, like fellow wanderers, and uh, trying to figure it out. And we can do pr- some pretty cool things. And uh, yeah, I won't get all sappy, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a loaded bag. That's a loaded question. <laughs> so, very good. Um, it's great to have you guys here. Talk Without Speaking is the next song. And uh, a little hint on what's that, what that's about, please. Yeah, this song, um, musically, f- it, it, it spoke a lot to me, and it, it felt like um, in the chorus there's not much singing, and it just felt like the music could talk for itself, so... We're, we're we're firm believers in body language and and bringing energy into a room and uh and that bringing that same energy to our live shows which we will have a, a live show next thursday um 126 at urban lounge if you like anything you're hearing come and check us out live and uh, you can see what we're talking about very good the gontics talk without speaking right here fresh and homegrown on krcl 90.9 fm
should say less, let things be, speak with action and fuel things that fire me. I got problems, that's on me. When did life get so bittersweet? Though I try to undo. This is KRCL's Sundance in 60, your guide to 2023's Sundance Film Festival. The festival's in full swing, so if you want to get involved, be sure to register that account and download the app. Each day we'll have a variety of in-person screenings with online screenings beginning January 24th, all accessible through your Sundance account. The Local Lens program is back offering no-ticket-needed films to Utah locals. That's us. This year's choices are Little Richard, I Am Everything, and the film Aliens Abducted by Parents, and Now I Feel Kinda Left Out. Shot in Utah and directed by Utah filmmaker Jake Von Wagener. Best of Fest screenings will be held January 28th and 29th in Salt Lake and Park City. The Local Lens Program and Best of Fest screenings are no ticket needed, but you do need to register for a ticket with your account. So here's your to-do list if you want a Sundance. Download the app. Create an account, follow at KRCL Radio on Facebook and Instagram, and enjoy the show. The Urban Indian Center of Salt Lake is a cultural nonprofit that provides services in health, wellness, behavioral health, and family and youth service programs. More details about this Center for American Indians and Alaska Natives in Utah residing on the Wasatch Front may be found online at uicsl.org. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Share the Love event, a partnership with local charities in delivering hope this holiday season. 
Learn more and info on how to get involved at markmillersubaru.com. This is Radioactive Punk Rock Farmer Friday. I'm Laura Jones, Al Dine, Strict 9, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer in the studio. Earlier today, we Zoomed with Simbria Patterson from Red Acre Center to review the Utah Farm and Food Conference, but also... Uh, Al, you took your microphone on the road. Who's coming up in these clips? Uh, we have Dale Thurber, Delectation of Tomatoes, uh, and uh, John Webster, Go Biochar. Let's get going. Here's our conversation with Simbria Zoomed earlier today. Aldine, we're checking in via Zoom with our good friend Simbria Patterson from Red Acre Center. Want to do a re- review of the conference, but also she's at Eco Farm, Al. So, uh, how are you doing out there right next to the ocean? It's cold. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you must be in Northern California. Yeah. Yeah. So so, but, so I, I really thought that the conference was, in my opinion, the best one yet for me. I've been four years in a row. Um, I think you guys really have primed the pump, and uh, folks are really ready for it. There's a lot of... Uh, there's everybody's getting along really well where everybody is really motivated and I think it was really nice uh, JM Fortier the the keynote speaker and then he did the closing and instead of talking about farming or anything in the closing it was all about inspiration because of what he saw he saw this community that's already energized and I I really think it's because of you guys Red Acre Center and what you guys do on the Hill. I think we're a really cohesive group because of that. I want to thank you and give me your highlights from the from what you thought about the conference this year. I think that the community he saw is, you know, it, the base of that is our vegetable growers, right? And so they were all there this year. And JM knows where I am right now. And, you know, he's part of that community. I bumped into him here. And Eco Farm's been going for 43 years, and there are people here who have been all 43 years. Some of them have missed once or twice, but at the seed exchange, you've got Steve Sprinkle. Some of these guys have been farming for 20, 30 years, and they're out there with their seeds, and they're trading, and they're, they're no different than they were when they started, you know, 40 years ago. And it's that what JM talked about coming back every year, right? That if we meet together every year and we have that common experience, it's going to bond that community closer and we're going to be, you know, we're growing food for people and that that's important and being able to, you know, and relax too, right? This is a lot of people at Eco Farm say, this was how, how it started. It was a way to get away which is why we do it away from Salt Lake. <laughs> so we can get people out a little more rural area a chance to, you know, kick back, hang out, you know, drink hard cider, dance, <laughs> hang out with their friends. So anyway, yeah. yeah, the highlights were the, were the connection for sure. Lots was said, lot, we learned a lot, a lot of great workshops, but it's that, it's that opportunity to connect and meet again that I think is the most important part. You you said seed exchange there, and the seed exchange there is seeds, scion, and tubers, right? Or bulbs, is that correct? We're doing that, right? Al, we're doing it next year. And so uh, scion wood is for the apples and fruit, and the bulbs, obviously, flower folks involved. So maybe that's a a great, um, you know, a cue for us to to branch out a little bit here, too. Well, EcoFarm's been doing it for, what did you say, Sambria, 43 years? They know what they're doing. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that includes the two virtual years or not, but, Mm. yeah. it's And they started a few of them around a coffee table in a barn. I like (laughs) that. That's a lot. So inspiration, how many folks do you think you had when all was told at the Utah Farm and Food Conference versus the amount of folks gathered for Eco Farm in Northern Cal where you are right now? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we're a small percentage, but we also only have 3 million in our state. So I think we actually proportionately have more people at our conference, yeah. but I don't know. You know, you see the registration and then Al and I looked around and we're like, there's more people than that here. So <laughs> we were we were over a couple hundred, but it felt like a lot more, didn't it, Al? It surely did. I mean, looking out at that dinner and, and uh, presenting for the seed exchange that was going to happen after there was a lot of folks in that room boy oh boy 
uh, it was a really great feeling to be there. And uh, I mean, you know, I got to be involved in, we did the mixer and that was all fun with the, the cider from at a place and we had gunny sacks and stuff we dressed up in and took pictures <laughs> that was pretty cool and then i got to be uh, on the panel uh, the moderator of the seed wisdom panel and boy we got a good round of applause it's just so great to be a part of this community i can't i can't say how grateful i am and 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 thank you guys you know, I know you have some other stuff going on. The Hill's coming up, but today is the last day to register for some grants that you guys have put out there, and I need to get my button here and do that. <laughs> do it, Al. We tried to make it really simple so somebody like you could apply for a broad fork. We've just we have been we've had some really generous um, donors this year, and we just want to give back and. And I know urban food connections and slow food, but I think all of us have to turn people down. So the more of us that can offer something, then, you know, I think it'll round it out a bit. And we're, we're a little bit different than urban food connections, but we, we all are helping the same community. Well, it is, uh, as we air this, it'll be during the 6 p.m. hour. Our grants open through the 11.59 this evening? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so redacrecenter.org, folks, grants awarded to those seeking a farm or farmer's needs, an artisan producer, an ag-related business or activity. So a farm organization or business does not have to be established according to your website, correct? Correct. You can and be in the can. beginning stages, little baby yes. farmer. Little baby yes, just, backyard gardener. Yeah, just an idea. And what the only thing that's going to disqualify you is if you don't. It's so simple that if you don't follow the steps, there's a hashtag. I mean, we're doing this to create awareness too, right? So there's a hashtag and you have to post and you have to tag us. And we've seen in some of them, and that's why we posted. We said, if you submitted, go back and make sure you did it right. Because it's the, we're just, because we can't find them on social media if they don't hashtag. So yeah. they just need to be sure they follow the steps. Okay. So that is tonight, 11.59 p.m. Check tonight's yeah. show notes for a link. And so uh, let's talk politics, I guess, here. And um, what's going to happen here at the – I know you guys do uh, pastries and politics on Thursdays, and then there's something coming up on Wednesday next week. Is, is that the, isn't that the day that we have uh, – farm small farm day on the hill yep we're doing it it'll be different this year because we didn't get the lunch spot so wow let's see we're starting at sean we have chef sean foster who's on our board and he got approved to be a capital caterer so he's gonna roll in there we have bacon from Beltex. we have um sausage from utah natural meats we're going to have some bacon from chris argyle and then he's making biscuits and gravy so that rotunda will smell really good, unlike <laughs> some food that rolls in there. <laughs> and um, yeah, they'll, they will we'll see. We'll have some vendors set up and hopefully there's 20 new members of the house. We've been talking, meeting some of those folks. And um, we have where there's a bee bill up there. Surprise, there's an egg bill that we did not run. So we'll see what that looks like talking to that rep. And, of course, we have our raw milk bill. No raw milk will be served in the rotunda on Wednesday. Oh, darn. But, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, Commissioner, uh, we just heard that I think Commissioner Butters is going to talk in our uh, room where we gather for a minute for Day on the Hill. And then hopefully folks will stay and go to the committee meeting or to the appropriations meetings. We'll, we'll list it all out. We'll send the email out tomorrow. So if you're not on our email list, all the details will come out and we'll send those out tomorrow morning. So what about folks who are thinking they want to go up on the hill and change some things? I think that's what uh, pastries and politics is all about, isn't it? Yes. So, yeah, just we make it super, once again, just like our grants, we're just, you know, we know where we started, intimidated and clueless. <laughs> so <laughs> we just want people to feel like, hey, you know, there's a way to reach out to your representative. They're closer than you think. If you have an idea if there's something you feel needs to change, this is a, a small place that, you know, they're, we're there to help you, show you something as simple as just, you know, how to, how to reach out to your representative, who you might need to talk to if you have a concern or a complaint. So that's every Thursday, 
in room 169 to 11. Absolutely. Anyone's welcome. And that's of the main Capitol building? Yes, it's in the, yeah, in the one with the dome for some people who don't. <laughs> and then Wednesday. I mean, we try and keep it simple. Yeah, Wednesday, what time will uh, Small Ag Day on the Hill be this next week? Oh, you can get there at 7. <laughs> and we're going to, our last meeting will be at 10. But like I said, there's details, certain, you know, uh, meetings you can go to. And I think the best way is just make sure you get our email because it'll tell you when the ag advice, when ag, uh, natural resources is meeting, when appropriations is. We just kind of lay it all out so you can decide what you want to go to. But our goal is the doors open and we'll start at 715 in the rotunda and we'll be in the rotunda for a few hours. Great. And so you're at Eco Farm there and is it Sequel, Soquel, California? I don't know how to even say that town's name. But uh, how many folks are in attendance at this veteran farm conference? Uh, you know, I've asked a few people the numbers, thousands, couple, I don't know. I, yeah. they, they feed, I know they're feeding a thousand people, but not everybody does meals. And it's in Pacific Grove, Monterey, out of yeah. Silomar. And um, you walk every, every time you switch and go to a different workshop, you're walking on a tree-lined path in the Monterey Pines and you're looking at the ocean. So it is definitely a, a it's, it fills our bucket and we're not in charge of anything. And we don't. <laughs> so well, we look forward to having you back here in the beehive state. You'll be stopping by the studios during the legislative session on punk rock farmer Fridays, right? Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, cheers to another great conference and, have fun out there in California, and um, we'll see you when you get back. Thanks, Embria. Thanks for having us on. We love it. Punk Rock Farmer Al, I'm here at the Farm Conference in Cedar City at the Heritage Center. And I'm here with my buddy Dale Thurber, delectation of tomatoes. Dale, how many varieties are you up to now? Well, if you count some of the odd ones like off types and some of the hybrids I'm working on dehybridizing, I would say it's about 3,150, give or take a little bit. <laughs> so so you, I just rounded and say 3,000. There's 2,900 <laughs> on my website. So you've gone up a, a few hundred here in the last couple of years. I know for a while you were focusing on big, large ones. For a while you were doing dwarf ones. What's hot off the press these, these days? Um, I, I think I have a pretty co complete collection of extra early tomatoes. Extra early? Short, short season. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, between the dwarfs and micro dwarfs, I probably have about 180 varieties. Uh-huh. Some of these micro dwarfs are literally four inch tall plants. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Most of them are typically eight to 15 inches, something like that. So th you can grow them in a small pot or even indoors if you got some good lights. So the, these short season varieties, you know, a lot of people live in high elevation. Right here in Cedar City, they have short season because they're pretty high up here and they, they get early frost, they get early spring, late spring, early fall frost. Um, this is the kind of thing that helps those folks out. And, um, and you know, it's good to know somebody like you. What what else you got going on, Dale? Um, what can you tell me about uh, the pulse of you know what you're doing well i'm i'm always amazed and humbled at how many people appreciate what i'm doing that what's that's what motivates me and people come to me out of the blue from all over the world wanting to trade tomatoes tomato seeds and for example in my inventory i think it's six different growers from russia who have come to me to trade seeds and altogether i have i think about 375 varieties came directly from Russian growers. And I could say that to a smaller number with, you know, Italy, Ukraine, um, France, Spain, a whole bunch of places. So, uh -huh, uh -huh. so Any, the, these heirlooms, it's not just American heirlooms. The, the Russian folks are really hyped up about tomatoes, aren't they? Oh yeah, I mean, this has nothing to do with politics. These are people that are self-reliant i mean growing and selecting them i mean i can tell you one real quick story if you want yeah um pardon my uh, my russian pronunciation i'm uh the variety is called something like that 
and it translates to old believers uh -huh. and it was a religious group that was persecuted back you know 100 years ago bolshevik bolshevik revolution all that um and this group took this variety with them and they've been growing it in siberia for generations and it's a really good short season variety productive very tasty and i've had some interest in that probably i don't know 50 to 80 growers have actually come after that after that because even in russia it's considered a rare variety mm -hmm. so that's just one example i could give dozens more but it's like a rare heirloom uh-huh and uh and i i mean i by profession i was an endangered species biologist and i've always had an affinity for nature and rare things and unusual and all this and so i mean this is not exactly endangered species biology but i deal in dna and diversity and it's really compelling to me and like i said i get all kinds of feedback and i depend on it because i'm just one set of taste buds growing one year on one type of soil one climate and somebody like recently from south florida they want to know what grows in hot humid climates i'm like i can help you with that mm -hmm. because people from south texas or wherever have have given me feedback on which ones grow well there mm -hmm. so i'm in a sense a repository or clearinghouse for information because i spend up to 10 hours a day just with emails responding to emails and stuff so do you hear that folks say if you have a question or something that might grow good in your area you have a certain climate or you're in a high spot where it's cold or this or that then dale's the guy to talk to so D dale what about the conference how how's the interaction been going today well as you can probably tell my voice is going <laughs> and i really enjoy this because i sometimes i live by myself and i don't have anybody helping me I go for weeks without ever speaking to anybody by phone or in person. Uh -huh. And I come here and it's just like, it's just like so rewarding because I know it's my ego getting in the way, <laughs> but to converse with people about something I care about. And by the way, it's a lot more than tomatoes. As you know, Al, I have a thousand varieties between pepper, squash, melons, cucumbers, whatever, you know, of other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but. Tomatoes is my little niche, and my niche within a niche is the giant tomatoes. Right. But talking with people here is just wonderful. I especially enjoy younger gardeners, you know, like just starting out or uh -huh. even kids, uh -huh. and inspiring them to say. Yeah, and, and this is what I say with these. Um, you know, if you gotta eat, if you're gonna live, you gotta eat. If you're gonna eat, you might as well enjoy it. And trying all these different varieties and taste sensations, it's not only enjoyable it's also very healthy and i wish i had a way to replace people's urge for candy and do it with melons and or tomatoes very good i have a sweet tooth in fact i was just eating my dessert it was a cookie it wasn't a tomato but um you know to see the faces on people at farmer's market or when they come to the garden or like kids going through and picking cherry tomatoes they just love this stuff and i'm like if we could just do this instead of candy it wouldn't be so many health problems there you go you know it's about it's about self-reliance it's about independence about control over your food so many people young people in particular don't even know where their food comes from mm -hmm. that's what this farm conference is about too there you go Will I see you at the Ogden Seed Exchange this year? I'm planning on it. <laughs> Anything left over from this conference is going straight to the Ogden. Very good. And I'll have more time to package. You know, instead of 100 varieties, I'll likely have 300. Thank, so. Thanks, Dale. Dale Thurber, Delectation of Tomatoes. You can find him there. This is Al Punk Rock Farmer Al. I'm here at the <clears throat> Cedar City Farm and Food Conference. Always a great pleasure to be here. Thanks, Dale. Thanks a bunch, Al. I appreciate it. Punk Rock Farmer L. I'm at the Heritage Center in Cedar City Farm Conference. John Biochar is with me. John, I know there's been some developments with your position and uh, what's been going on with Biochar. Tell me the updates. Yeah, hey, thanks, Al. Nice to be here. Glad to be down here at the conference talking about soil health and use of biochar. 
I have the GoBiochar company. We've been doing pretty well, but I've also recently accepted a position with the U.S. Biochar Initiative. Uh, it's a national organization. We're focused on promoting biochar and its adoption in industry, agriculture, and turf management all throughout the United States, Canada, and Mexico. So it's been a, a real interesting trip, man. It's so fun. I get to talk about biochar all the time, which is something I already do anyway. So, And then uh, on top of that, we're, uh, we're helping with a bunch of federal programs. We're, uh, this coming week, we're working with the uh, USDA and RCS department. We're doing the Code 336 webinar. It's a two-day webinar series. It talks about how to get federal funding to install soil carbon through uh, installation of biochar compost and mulch. Uh, this program is unique in the fact that it pays for the material as well as the installation. So very excited about that. Uh, it's been a lot of work and looking forward to a great program. Uh, and then beyond that, we've been going all over. We're uh, even going over to Europe in a bit to try and get uh, more companies to come over to the United States because this new program is literally going to be responsible for hundreds of millions of biochar soil carbon going into the ground. It's very exciting. And uh, soil health just means human health because the more natural resources we can utilize rather than extractive chemicals, the better off we are. But if we do have to use those chemicals, if we can extend the value by adding biochar to it, all the better. So again, it's all about getting your hands in the dirt and growing big with biochar. Also, there's some filtration stuff and cleanup on chemicals and things like that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Soil remediation for, for mine sites is really quite popular use for the biochar. Uh, there are companies that are developing innovative programs around utilizing biochar around the top of uh, abandoned oil wells. So it uh, serves a number of purposes. It remediates the soil. They have a, an innovative way of cap, capping the well with an amount of biochar that reduces the escaping methane from those wells, which is pretty, which is pretty spectacular. There, oh, speaking of methane, uh, I know they haven't cracked down on this too much, but I do anticipate it's gonna be something in the future, uh, especially for like scale composters and things like that. But methane mitigation is a big deal. Uh, there's been some fantastic peer-reviewed scientific studies that have come out that show that the incorporation of biochar into composting reduces the methane loss by 80%. What does that mean? If you can prevent the methane loss, that means that what you have is you have more nitrogen in your compost. So you have more nutrients available for those plants. And it's all by adding something that's simple. It's not an extractive process. We take above ground biomass, we bake it at high temperatures in the absence of oxygen. It's all nature-based. This is a nature-based solution to everyday problems. We can grow big with less. We can use less water. Here's a big deal. When we use less water, what does that mean? We're using less fossil fuel to pump around all that water. Water is heavy. We don't want to pay to push that around. So let's just use less of it, right? Sounds so reduce, good. reduce, reduce. Sounds so good. John, it's great. I love biochar myself. And, uh, you know, um, what about the conference? Like, tell me a little bit about the conference and how it's how you've been interacting. So, you know, we were here last year as well, and I'll tell you that the interest has been quite uh, a bit more significant this year. People are hearing about it more and more, and uh, they're realizing the difference. I, I do want to thank you because I know a lot of these folks listen to your program, uh, so I appreciate that. But yeah, people understand what this does for soil in terms of soil health, improving tilth, holding on to that water. It allows, it increases your germination rate, so you have more of a chance to survive and thrive. And so yeah, so I'm getting more questions about in-field uh, in installation at, on farm scale. So I'm really pleased about that. So we're, we have folks that are considering it uh, for more than just their backyard gardens. All applications are reasonable. And if you work with a municipality and have questions about how to utilize biochar so you don't have to spend so much of our tax dollars on water or chemical fertilizer, I'm the guy to call. Sounds good, John. Thanks so much <laughs> for joining me. You know, we're here at the farm conference and what a great community we're all part of. And can't, oh, it's fantastic. There's it. so much love here. It's absolutely fantastic. I encourage anybody that's thinking about starting a garden at home or a farm scale or a little CSA, please do so. This is the place to be. Thanks, John. 
Aldine on the road at the Utah Farm and Food Conference where KRCL was a media sponsor. And check Aldine's social media for some some fun photos and things down there. What's your uh, Instagram again? It's punk underscore rock underscore farmer. And if you're a band or you're part of the Agrohood and want to be on the show, what's the email? You can reach me at punkrockfarmer23 at gmail.com. And we got to wrap the show with one more song from the Gontics, our featured band tonight, Aldine. So this one is Today Tonight, and you switched over to guitar on this one, Gibson. Yes, I'm playing guitar for the first time. So. <laughs> you, not for the first not time. Not for the first time. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, we'll roll with that. It is the first time. I've never touched this thing ever. And you're at Urban Lounge on the 26th? Correct. Yeah, we will be headlining that night with Persona 749 and also Nicole Kanan. Anything else coming up? Um, we got an uh, all-ages show February 16th at Kilby Court. Um, we, we don't play all-ages all the time, so if you like anything uh, you're hearing, come and check us out uh, either date. And social media? The, at The Gontics, um, G-O-N-T-I-K-S. And so this uh, KRCL debuts this song, the next song, Today Tonight. Tell me about it. Um, it. It was a spark of uh, ingenuity for me. I, I don't really uh, write on guitar all the time, so I thought I would give it a go, and this is what we got. This is the Gontics with Today Tonight, and you're hearing it first right here on KRCL 90.9 FM.
RCL, Salt Lake City.